Section 28 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 7, Chapter 5, Part 2. The Auto Publico General, while looming large in popular imagination, represented, in truth, but a small part of inquisitorial activity. It was a solemnity on a grand scale, in which the Holy Office magnified its importance, but by far the greater number of cases were dispatched in autos particulares, or autillos, held in churches, or in the audience chamber, or anywhere that circumstances might dictate. In the Toledo record, from 1575 to 1610, there are contained but twelve autos generales, in which three hundred and eighty-six culprits appeared, while seven hundred and eighty-six cases were settled in autos particulares. As stated above, appearance in a public auto was, in itself, a severe punishment, and the sentence always specified whether the offender was to be subjected to a humiliation entailing consequences on him and his family so greatly dreaded that, at a Toledo auto of December 13, 1627, Juan Núñez Saravia, a wealthy Portuguese, vainly offered 12,000 ducats to escape it. The great majority of cases deserved no such severity. The jurisdiction of the Inquisition extended over a wide field. It was, in a certain sense, a custos morum, and took cognizance of a vast number of comparatively trivial offenses. Careless speeches, blasphemies, propositions of all kinds, indecent writings and works of art, sorceries and conjurations more or less innocent, and the like, which it disposed of without summoning the entire population as spectators. Clerical offenders, moreover, as we have seen, unless degraded for formal heresy, were shielded from the scandal of publicity in the audience chamber. The auto particular, or private auto, was often celebrated in a church, to which the spiritual and civil authorities were not invited, but where such portion of the public as could find room were at liberty to be present. More frequently it was held in the sala, or audience chamber, and here again there was a distinction, for the sentence defined whether it should be with open doors or closed, and in the former case the bell was often tolled in order to invite a curious crowd of spectators. Even the apartments of the senior inquisitor were sometimes used in this manner, as when, March 23, 1680, three aguaciles of the Corregidor of Toledo, for maltreating the purveyor of the tribunal, were sentenced in the apartments to various terms of exile. When nuns were the culprits, the autillo was customarily performed in their convent, as in the case, August 8, 1658, of Sor Josefa de Viegas, for superstitions and sorceries, who was sentenced to various penances through the grating of the Augustinian nunnery of San Torquato, in presence of the nuns, and, on February 13, 1685, Sor Dionisia de Rojas was sentenced in the choir of the Franciscan house of Santa Isabel, in the presence of the superior and four elderly sisters. As financial distress grew more and more acute in the seventeenth century, 
the tribunals shrank from the heavy expenses attendant on the elaborate demonstrations of the great public autos, which, however gratifying to their pride, bore too heavily upon their diminishing resources, exposed as they were to the royal exactions. In Barcelona there would seem to have been no public auto between 1627 and the revolt of 1640. In Valladolid, none between 1644 and 1667. In Toledo one was held, after prolonged consideration, January 1, 1651, in which the number of culprits shows that it relieved the prisons of a long accumulation. It was the last public auto celebrated in Toledo, and there was none even in a church between 1656 and 1667. Seville appears to have been less hampered and celebrated public autos generales in 1631, 1643, 1648, 1656, and a most impressive one in 1660, at which less fortunate tribunals unloaded their convicts, for there were seven relaxations in person, twenty-seven in effigy, and fifty-two penitents, but this appears to be the last of its kind there. In fact, the public auto would have been abandoned ere this, but for the rule that judgments of blood must not be rendered in churches. As early as 1568, the Suprema had decreed that, when there was a relaxation, the auto must be held in the plaza and not in the church, which was in accordance with the ancient authorities. When the public autos became an onerous burden, we can imagine that this led to hesitation in pronouncing death sentences, for, when this was unavoidable, the convict became a troublesome personage. A suggestive case was that of Juan Lopez, condemned to relaxation for Judaism at Valladolid in 1633. After he lay in prison for thirty months, with no prospect of getting rid of him, the Suprema ordered him to be tortured and another vote to be taken, which resulted, September 1, 1637, in a revised sentence of reconciliation with severe punishments. A device less damaging to the purity of the faith was to transfer a convict from one tribunal to another for execution. Thus when, at Valencia, the Morisco Jerónimo Buenaventura was condemned for pertinacity, there was no auto in which to execute the sentence. On November 19, 1635, the Suprema ordered him to be sent to Valladolid, apparently under the impression that he would be burnt there, but, after two years, Valladolid reported that it had no public auto in which to dispatch him. So in 1638 the Suprema ordered his transfer to Saragossa. Whether he met a speedy death there we have no means of knowing, but there is something peculiarly revolting in thus sending a poor wretch from one corner of Spain to another, in order to find some place in which to burn him economically. When any tribunal managed to celebrate a public auto, it was utilized to disembarrass the others. Thus the Toledo auto of 1651 had effigies contributed by Cuenca, Cordova, and Seville. In 1655, Santiago celebrated a public auto, to which Valladolid sent for relaxation one living person and four effigies, two of the latter having been kept waiting since 1644 and 1648. The Consulta de Fe of Murcia, on July 18, 1658, 
voted to relax nine fugitive Judaizers of Baas, but the formal sentence was delayed until December 5, 1659, in preparation for the great public auto at Seville, April 13, 1660, when the effigies were duly cremated. The imposing Madrid auto of 1680, the last of its kind, was a general jail delivery to which all the tribunals contributed their embarrassing convicts. There was no prospect of an improvement in the situation, although it was supremely humiliating to the Inquisition that it could not afford to burn those whom it condemned, promptly and on the scene of their transgressions, under the alternative of exercising a compulsory mercy. Some relief must be found, and a partial attempt was made, in a carta acordada of September 4, 1657, permitting effigies to be relaxed at autos particulares in churches. Toledo promptly availed itself of this by relaxing, December 9th, eight effigies of fugitives in such an auto, but the other tribunals seem to have discountenanced the device. The further step of overthrowing the traditional prohibition of uttering sentences of blood in churches appears to have been under consideration in 1664, when the Suprema called on the tribunals for information as to relaxation in person or in effigy in autos particulares. In reply, Valencia reported that the sentence of Gaspar López, to be relaxed in effigy, voted in 1641, had never been published for lack of an auto, although the corresponding sentence of confiscation had been executed, which the Suprema pronounced to be highly irregular. It required time to familiarize the conscience with so revolutionary a measure, and the project slumbered for a quarter of a century, but the pressure to escape the burden of public autos increased, and the Suprema finally conquered its scruples. A carta acordada of September 23, 1689, pointed out that, in view of the diminished resources from confiscations and of the increased cost of celebrating these public functions with due solemnity, they were avoided as far as possible, and it was no longer practicable to reserve for them the relaxed, whose numbers unfortunately were daily increasing. They had to be fed while lying forgotten in their cells, after their cases were finished. Even the expense of transferring them from one tribunal to another was considerable, and it was kindly added that there was risk to their souls in detaining them so long while in ignorance of their fate. Weighing all this, and in view of the fact that there were cases of relaxation in churches both before and after the instructions of 1561, and that the Council of Constance, sitting in the cathedral, had condemned Jerome of Prague, the Suprema reached the conclusion that judgment of relaxation could be rendered in churches, provided the sentence of the civil magistrate was uttered outside. The tribunals were therefore instructed that they could relieve themselves of their convicts in autos particulares in churches, delivering them to the secular arm outside of the sacred limits. To such autos the civic and cathedral chapters were not to be invited, and the rule as to time was to be observed, so that the burning could be performed by daylight. Against this there arose a protest on the part of the secular magistrates, who felt slighted at not being invited and having seats allotted to them. To meet this, the Suprema, April 7, 1690, 
addressed to the king a consulta deploring the impossibility of celebrating the autos with the ceremonial and impressiveness of old. But great numbers of those deserving relaxation had accumulated in most of the tribunals. There were not funds to maintain them in prison, or to dispatch them in general autos, and to bring them together would excite horror, as occurred in the auto of 1680. It therefore proposed that the secular officials be stationed outside of the church, where the convicts should be delivered to them, but this was not acceptable to the civil authorities, and a compromise was effected, July 20th, designating the single official who was to represent the secular arm. The tribunal was to send him a message, appointing time and place. He was to be at the church door when the procession arrived. He was to follow the inquisitors, the fiscal, and the ordinary, and have a seat near them, and, after the sentences of relaxation were pronounced, he was to leave the church for a place agreed upon, where the convicts were to be brought to him, when he sentenced them and executed the sentences. Thus came to an end the gorgeous general public autos, in which, during its more prosperous days, the Inquisition had made so profound an impression on the imaginations of men. Thenceforth, no matter how many living beings and effigies were consigned to the quemadero, the ceremony was conducted within the sacred precincts of a church, in a simpler and more economical fashion. The great autos of Majorca, in 1691, in which so many unfortunates perished, were held in the church of San Domingo. Yet still there was elaboration of display. A writer, in 1724, giving an account of the autos celebrated in Seville since 1719, is vastly more concerned with enumerating the names of officials and familiars with describing the ceremonial, and dilating upon the crimson velvet chairs and cushions, and canopies embroidered in gold and silver, and the diamond badges worn by the functionaries, than with the real work of the tribunal, grim and cruel though it continued to be. These gods might gratify the vanity of the inquisitors, but the old attractiveness of the imposing public ceremonial had vanished the population no longer poured in from all the surrounding district, camping out in the fields, in the vast crowds described with so much pride in the relations of the great autos. When we remember the thousand familiars and officials in Logroño, and the grandees who eagerly competed for positions of honor in the processions, we can estimate the change that compelled the complaint of the Seville Tribunal in 1729. It denounced the lukewarmness of the familiars in accompanying its processions, whereby it was losing the respect of the people, and compared unfavorably with the public demonstrations of the audiencia and civic authorities. It was with this object that the familiars had been so greatly increased in numbers, and had been favored with so many privileges and exemptions. Besides the occasional autos, the tribunal made salidas, or processions, on five principal feasts of the year, and it ordered the Hermandad de San Pedro Martir to nominate eight familiars, from among whom it would select four, two to accompany it on the regular salidas, and two for the autos, with threats of fine and imprisonment for neglect of duty. Yet it would not be safe to conclude from this that fanaticism was extinct. At the Urena Auto of June 25, 1752,
there were six effigies of fugitives to be burnt, and one of a dead woman with her bones. It had always been the custom to have these borne in the procession, and to the bracero by carriers of the lowest class, drawn from the hospital for vagrants who were paid for the service. But on this occasion it chanced that none of these could be had. The inquisitors were greatly exercised, and, as a last expedient, they represented to the lieutenant-governor, Don Manuel de la Fuente y Davila, that this was an exalted religious duty which the noblest might be proud to perform, and they offered that the officials of the Inquisition would carry the effigies to the church, and then to the secular magistrate, if Don Manuel and other nobles would bear them thence to the bracero. Don Manuel assented, and as his example was followed by the governor, the Marquis of Torre Mejia, and other nobles, the officials were persuaded to do their share, and thus, we are told, the old custom, so derogatory to the sacredness of the function, was successfully discarded. The procession to the Bracero was a triumphal march, to the sound of trumpets, with the escort of all the troops that could be assembled. Notwithstanding such occasional bursts of zeal, the glory of the Inquisition was rapidly departing, and, with the extermination of the few remaining Judaizers, its functions continuously dwindled. In the Toledo Tribunal, the last auto held in a church was on March 7, 1778, for a single penitent condemned to vergüenza for sorcery. After that, to the close of the century, it had but nine autillos, all held in the audience chamber, sometimes with open and sometimes with closed doors, and in each of them there was but a single penitent. Five of the cases were for propositions, two for solicitation in the confessional, one for bigamy, and one for administering sacraments without priests' orders. To this had shrunk the activity of a once prominent tribunal, and with this shrinkage the power to impress the popular imagination with its imposing demonstrations. There is one aspect of the auto de fe which reflects the intensity of Spanish fanaticism in a most suggestive manner. When the Spaniard regarded it as a celebration fitted for a day of rejoicing, or as a spectacular entertainment acceptable to distinguished national guests, he did so in the conviction that it was the highest exhibition of piety and a service to God, glorious to the land which organized it, and stimulating the devotion of all participants. Probably no autos were celebrated in honor of Ferdinand and Isabella, for the stern and rapid work of the period scarce admitted of the pageantry requisite to adapt the spectacle to royal courtliness, and the Burgundian fashions had not superseded the ancient Castilian simplicity. None of their successors, however, of the House of Habsburg, were without such a testimonial of pious loyalty when, in 1528, Charles V passed through Valencia, there was celebrated in his honor an auto, in which there were thirteen men and women relaxed in person, besides ten in effigy. In 1560, the Toledo Tribunal contributed an auto, with several relaxations, to the joyous celebration of the marriage of Philip II with Isabelle de Valois, daughter of Henry II of France. It was a notable spectacle, for the royal wedding and the meeting of the Cortes to swear allegiance to the young Don Carlos brought to Toledo all that was most distinguished in Spain. 
when, in February 1564, Philip was in Barcelona for the Catalan Cortes, an auto was arranged in his honor, in which there were eight relaxations in person, and numerous condemnations to the galleys. They were mostly Frenchmen, whom Saint-Sulpice, the French ambassador, had vainly sought to protect. The ascension of Philip III was celebrated by an auto at Toledo, March 6, 1600, in the presence of the king, his queen, Margarita of Austria, the Duke of Lerma, and all the court, where Philip took the oath to protect and favor the holy office. Toledo had but few culprits, as it had held an auto the year before, but a total of forty-six were accumulated by drawing upon Cordoba, Granada, Cuenca, Urena, Valladolid, and Seville. There were but two relaxations in effigy and one in person, the latter being a Huguenot named Jacques Pinzon, whom the Granada Tribunal had been leisurely endeavoring to wean from his heresy for a couple of years. He was needed to complete the attraction at Toledo, and his trial was concluded so hurriedly that the Suprema ordered his transfer thither before it had received for confirmation the vote condemning him, so the sentence was made out in blank and sent after him for the Toledan inquisitors to sign. As he is characterized as pertinacious, he was probably burnt alive. The great auto of Madrid in 1632 was held there by the special order of the king in celebration of the recovery from confinement of Isabel de Bourbon, wife of Philip IV, and was graced with the presence of both and of their son, Don Carlos. There were thirty-seven penitents besides seven relaxations in person and two in effigy. The revolted Catalans, who had given themselves to France, took the same means of honoring the Viceroy Condé, on the eve of his departure for Paris, by an auto celebrated November 7, 1647, in which there were two relaxations in person and two in effigy. The ostensible purpose of the crowning glory at Madrid, June 30, 1680, which fitly ended the long series of autos publicos generales, was to honor the marriage of the young Carlos II with Louise Marie de Orléans. There were sixty-seven penitents and fifty-one relaxations, of which nineteen were in person. A Compañía de la Sarsa was formed, numbering two hundred and fifty members, with Francisco de Salcedo as captain. On June twenty-eighth they were taken to the Puerta de Alcalá, where each man was furnished with a faggot. Then they marched to the royal palace, where Salcedo took a faggot, specially prepared for the purpose, and handed it to the Duke of Pastrana, who carried it to the king. Carlos, with his own hands, bore it to his queen, and exhibited it, and then sent it back by Pastrana, with the message that it should be taken in his name to the bracero, and be the first that was thrown upon the fire. The religious training of the young monarch had evidently not been neglected. It was an earnest of better things in store for Spain, when, in 1701, Philip V refused to be present at an auto general proposed to be celebrated in honor of his accession, and the project was abandoned. We have thus considered the organization of the Inquisition and its general methods of action. It remains for us to examine the application of these methods to the various classes of offenders subjected to its extensive jurisdiction.
End of section 28.